This is Life of an Architect, a podcast dedicated to all things architecture with a little bit of life thrown in for balance. Join us today as we look inside an architect's office. This is the Life of an Architect podcast. I'm Bob Borson. And I'm Landon Williams. And together today, we're going to be talking about architectural offices. And we're talking about them from the comforts of my house. It's raining outside. And I'm kind of curious as to what that's going to do to today's recording, other than set a very romantic a atmosphere. <laughs> a little drizzly. I think it's died down for now. Everyone likes a little, little pitter patter on the, the roof while you're cozy. Though. So if you're listening, you should build a fire. <laughs> and it's like listening. It'd be the most romantic podcast ever. <laughs> So what's in an architect's office, all right? Mm -hmm. So in some ways, they're just like all other offices. You know, they have all the same kind of check-the-box spaces. They have workstations, private offices, meeting rooms, break rooms, bathrooms, all that kind of good stuff. Mm -hmm. Some of the things that are unique, I think, to architectural offices is that they have like a materials library, a yeah. product library. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times there's kind of the the print room, you yeah. know. Plotters. And you know, it's kind of interesting. Our office doesn't have a plotter. Yeah, which is very inconvenient. It is inconvenient. But it does take a lot of space, and our our office isn't so large where we can have a dedicated room for that kind of thing. It's sixteen hundred square feet, and we currently, as of well, through yesterday, we had thirteen employees in sixteen hundred square feet. Nice, yeah, but are cozy, rubbing elbows. Yeah, well, I'm glad everyone has good hygiene. Let's take a minute and talk about the components of an architectural office, because I think that in my career, mm -hmm. the architectural office can be used as a component in setting the culture of an architectural firm. Like you walk mm -hmm. into certain firms and they have a look to them. Yeah. And it kind of gives you a sense of what type of firm they might be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. As an architect, you have to show off your best work within your own firm. And it's just, it's just sort of like a, it's like the cover of a magazine, you know, prepare for the contents. You got to like show what you got. Okay. So let's think about who the demographic is. Mm -hmm. So on one hand, you have your employees. Like you, yep. you want to set a culture to where they feel like we're, well, if you want to be a design office, which we are, mm -hmm. everyone in our office, they're all designers. Yeah. You, well, you're all, you're all things in our office, but primarily we start with the designer and we build them up with the other skills that allow them to be project architects and project managers, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. We have things in our office that are geared towards setting a culture of design first. From the moment you walk in the door, you sense it. Because we have drawings, we have materials, mm -hmm. we have models, models all over the place. Are, yeah, everywhere. <laughs> yeah, and you can see that, that that creative process is on display from the moment the design process starts all the way through construction. Yep. Because yep. unlike other architectural offices, we don't put pictures of finished products on our walls. Have you ever noticed that? That is true. I you thought about it? Yeah. I mean, I haven't been in that many architecture offices. But yeah, the, all the ones I've been in, they always have, they're like displaying their final product. Yeah, walls. And, and that's purposeful. Yeah. So for us, it's about the what, mm -hmm. what starts in our office is a result of this process up to a certain point, and then it becomes more and more collaborative and more and more inclusive as it moves through the journey from the mm -hmm. initial first meeting to yeah. ribbon cutting the building's done, okay. right? Yeah. So in our office, if you were to walk in it, you see drawings all over the place. There's literally models hanging on the walls, mm -hmm. you know, and at one yeah. point... Our office, we had one model that took up 72 square feet. Oh, yeah. The I monster. Did. What was the, the nickname for Vol that guy? Voltron. Voltron. <laughs> well, because it was 
It was so big. It was six and a half feet deep. Yeah. And it was 12 and a half feet long. I remember that was the one thing everyone totally gravitated toward. Like they would see it as soon as they walked in and they were just like, wow. Yeah. Blown away. And they would just get up to it and like look inside of it because it was big enough. You could probably crawl inside of it. It was huge. (laughs) Yeah. I actually hated that model. (laughs) And I hated it not because it had nothing to do with the design. Mm -hmm. I just thought it was, it was too big. I mean, I mean that in every sense of the word. So part of the reason it was called Voltron is because it broke apart into oh, yeah. 12 different pieces. Yep. Right. But it was it was broken up in all these different components so we could move it through the doors. Mm-hmm. Right. Which was very clever. The two guys that built it, I think. I don't know if they came up with that idea, but clearly someone identified. Yeah. Someone know, thought about the process. Models play a huge role mm-hmm. in our office. Drawings. Uh, you know, we have sketches all over the place. You know, yeah. I think all the processes, like the key word we're kind of like displaying in our office is yeah the process of the well you know what it's similar to what's that studio from school yeah no that's what that's what i liked about our office is the first time i went there it's like this looks exactly like you know virginia tech studio i'm sure every architecture studio this open office plan or everyone's kind of touching elbows in a sense yeah feeding off of each other well a big part of it has to do with in our office we're kind of siloed not by building type, but by principle, mm-hmm. right? So I kind of have my jobs. Michael has his jobs. Audrey has her jobs. Even though we all come together to work on the same projects yeah. all the time, mm-hmm. but we we are the lead for our own individual projects, Yep. right? But mixed within those kind of three silos are all the people like you, Danielle and Nick and, you know, everybody. Mm-hmm. They move around, not in a physical sense, mm-hmm. but, you know... Like you worked on my projects for a couple of years. Now you're working on one of Michael's projects. Yeah. Oh, do you need to wipe away a tear? We can pause. That's <laughs> so sad to leave Bob's project. So, but there's the idea that our architectural office has a relationship to what a design studio in school looks like. Yeah. There's pinup space all over, models, mm-hmm. drawings. There's no finished products. It really is. It's not, hopefully it's nicer. Yeah. <laughs> than oh, yeah. Studio in school. I think it feeds off like the thing about historically, like the Bauhaus kind of, I'll call them like workshop studios. It's just kind of like bits and pieces here and there, like half finished projects, you know, process things are littered amongst the studio space. And I think yeah. that's how architectural studios and school are laid out. And so it just kind of makes sense that, that same idea carries through yeah. into a design firm. Well, I think. And I strongly believe this. And if anybody wants to call me up or leave a comment and say, you're crazy. Bash us in the comments. I strongly feel that you attract the type of projects and the type of people that work in your office based on this projection of who you are. Mm -hmm. Right. It's kind of the dress for the job you want. Yeah. Kind of thing. We want our office to be a particular way because that's the way we want to be. There's a perception. That's right. And we want the perception to actually turn into the reality, which I think it is, but it's an ongoing Mm -hmm. process, right? So if we think about how offices are laid out, if I just look at, say, the office I'm in now, Mm -hmm. which I I designed, there was a collaborated, right? I wasn't in a vacuum here, but for the most part, I did the space planning and laid it out. Someone was leading it, yeah. Yeah. And in my last office, I did the layout there as well. I designed those offices. Oh, really? And there was two similarities between them. Same person, right? I designed both of them. Mm-hmm. The similarities in that, in the working area, you know, the area where I would say are the people who are, I don't want to say support staff because no one in either office were support staff. They were kind of project yeah. managers, but they weren't upper management. Okay. Yeah. You know, they had ownership of the project, but they were, they reported to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
So in our current office, it's just a big open bullpen kind of space. Yeah, we've got like meeting, like a formal, kind of a formal meeting room and then like an informal table. That's right. Slash intern. Yeah. Well, we have a building. That's a workshop. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So we have, we have a conference room. It's a fishbowl, right? And that's where clients come in for meetings or that's like the official meeting space. But, Mm -hmm. but we have staff meetings in there, but we have enough people in our office to where we needed a secondary space as well, which could be more informal. So if vendors were coming in to show us products or materials, that kind of thing, that's where we could put it up. Right. But then when you come into the kind of the working area, Right. Mm-hmm. We have what's called a benching system. We're not in cubicles. It's an open plan. Everybody can make eye contact with everybody else. Yeah. And then in my previous employment, when I did that office, we still had kind of the bullpen area, mm-hmm. but we broke it, the one bullpen into kind of two smaller bullpen areas. We had basically room for six or eight people, depending on how tightly you want to pack them. Yeah. But they were divided in half. So it was like, Four people on this side, and then we it was divided by our materials library. Oh, okay. And then we had the four people on the other side. Yeah. And and then a completely separate room was where my private office was, mm-hmm. and where the two principals where their private office was. Okay, so management had really their own area in a sense. Yeah, we really were the ivory tower. Yeah. And um, <laughs> and there were pros and cons to that some of which I appreciate more now that we have thirteen people in our office. Mm-hmm. Than I did when we had eight people in our office. Yeah. So in our current office, right? Let's let's circle back to where we're at now. Okay. As an open space, and I'll go back, say a year ago. Let's go two years ago when you came in. Mm-hmm. So two years ago, I think we had seven people in the office. Yep. We have room for twelve in our bullpen, mm-hmm. and we had six in that area. Yeah. So I have a double space. Audrey has a double space, and then we kind of paired other folks up. Occasionally, somebody would get one space to themselves, but they could work desk creep it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But (laughs) they really had half, which was a six by six footprint, right? Yeah. And I thought it worked out great. Mm -hmm. And coming in and leaving my private office and going to this open space, I was a little, I felt like it was a little step down. I'm not going to lie. You interact with the plebeians? (laughs) Wow. Serfs. I call it. I was serfs. Wow. You know, they were squatting on my land. (laughs) I get a little piece of the, if they farm. Nice. So mentally, I needed to make a shift mm-hmm. to go from my private office, which was awesome, to sitting with a bunch of other people. Yeah. And in the beginning, I was like, you know, this actually is really good because part of my job is to keep an eye on what everybody's doing. Mm-hmm. And so when I when I laid out the office, or when I obviously I chose my own spot. Yeah. I chose it in the very back, and nobody comes to my spot unless you're coming to see me. <laughs> Right. No one's passing by you. Yeah, you're not walking else. by me. Yeah, and that gives you the opportunity to, as you like move about the office, you can check in on other people. That's right. You can check in. Like, hey, Landon, what are you doing there? On what a, is that? Reddit. You're supposed to be doing <laughs> Reddit, <laughs> not Reddit. Yeah, I, it's it's a way for me to. I I can't go anywhere without walking by everybody. Yep. Right. Yeah. And it's not that big an office tour. It's not like you know I need to count my steps. You know, going back and forth. You know, it's not that big a deal. But yeah. But I thought it was really great. And the other thing that was really nice about the open plan. When there were seven people in that space mm-hmm. is, and I don't know if this is just a, a the people, the mix we have in our office, because everyone in our office is the type of employee that everybody else would want to hire. I feel really, I'm really proud of the yeah, staff we that a, we have. Yeah, really good group. Yeah, they're all, like, they're the number one in yeah. any other group they'd be in, I think. And so, but if somebody has, like, I have a deadline and I'm not going to make it, everybody else will stop what they're doing and mm-hmm. they will help that person out. Oh, yeah. 
you know, and it's it and like they'll offer. You don't have to send up the white flag. <laughs> Someone please help me. Yeah, those I mean, are like two or three people are volunteering. Like I can help you with that. It's not, yeah, like I can like I have a lull and like obviously they need to get something done in an hour. Yeah, one we kind of look at it and drills. say, yeah, when's your fire drill coming yeah. up? And when's okay, mine sooner than yours. Can you give me a hand exactly for an afternoon? Mm-hmm. Right, that happens all the time, and I love that. That yeah. was something I we didn't. I don't. You don't see that in a lot of places. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say it's rare, but it's not typical. Yeah, right? I could see in other places being like, "All right, that's your responsibility. You should have, you know, been yeah. on top of that." Like, yeah, just because you're goofing off and have to work later doesn't mean yeah. I got to stay late. Yeah, right. It's um, but we don't do that, right? First off, we're pretty well managed in the sense that mm-hmm. there aren't a lot of fire drills to begin with. Yeah, but we avoid it in the it's first collaborative, <laughs> which I love. Yeah, but something very, I'd say it's interesting, but I hate it. Mm-hmm. And that is, as we have grown, we're two people short of max capacity at the mm-hmm. moment. Yep. The sound level in our office is, it's cacophonous. Yeah. It has gotten to the point to where it fundamentally changes how our office functions and interacts throughout the day. Yeah. And, and I don't like it. Yeah. The more people you add, the more conversations there are. And obviously people are trying to get louder and louder. So... Yeah. The overall level, I think at some points, there's even like an hour period where there's like four or five calls going on. People are having conversations and they're all overlapping one another. Yeah. It's, it's really unpleasant. Yeah. <laughs> it's, <laughs> you know, and the other thing is we don't have drafters in our office, right? Mm-hmm. So everyone's either in the process of getting licensed or they are licensed. Yep. Everybody is a project architect at the bare minimum. Mm-hmm. And most operate in a project manager capacity for probably... 70% of their time. Yeah. Right. I mean, we give everybody enough rope to hang themselves because we got, you know, we have 29 active jobs in the office right now, Wow, which is a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so the people now you're working on like four probably. Yeah. It's like one project. that's really four. Yeah. At the moment. And they're all four. They're big, right? They're all, so mm-hmm. it's, it's like, there's a lot going on. And so what happens is now we're finding that, it's not just one or two people that are on the phone at any one given moment. There might be three or four people on the phone at any given moment. Yeah. And these projects and, you know, the idea with the open plan was it's supposed to foster collaboration, you know, mm. and really get these, create this synergy of people in a close environment, yeah. seeing what other people are doing and, a, and new creative juice starts to flow. Right. Very optimistic. Yeah. It is. Yeah. And, and, if, and if it's small, you can get that. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, I think it's, that's not unreasonable to think. But where it's at now, I don't think it's happening anymore because just the other day, so Danielle Anderson, great employee, good person, she and I are working very closely on two projects. Mm-hmm. And she sits maybe, I don't know, 10 feet away from me. Yeah, only 10 feet. But it, it doesn't even seem like 10 feet because I just look five degrees to my left and there it is. We can look at each other. Mm-hmm. That sounded weird. <laughs> <laughs> but y'all are sort of diagonal across the office in a sense. That's right. I mean, I, I have my kind of 12 by 12 footprint mm-hmm. and she sits in a 12 by 12 footprint that's one removed and across a three and a half foot, yeah. you know, aisle way, right? <laughs> yeah. So it was not uncommon, you know, a year ago mm-hmm. that she and I would just like rotate our chairs to each other and we'd have a conversation about what we're doing. Hey, here's what I want you to focus on today. Here are the tasks. What'd you learn about this? What, mm-hmm. What's your opinion? How should we handle this? You know, that kind of thing. Yep. And... Now we can't do that because I'm actually talking through, like you might be having a little conversation. 
I might be talking or, to Nick about something. That's right. Well, there might be a little huddle of people at your desk. Yeah. Nick's on the phone next to Danielle. Mm-hmm. And so the kind of diagonal space that I'm talking to her through is cutting through two other conversations. Yeah, it doesn't work. <laughs> and it doesn't work. No. And so we have to get up and walk. And it's not like we have these little meeting rooms. So we kind of just have to go stand next to each other to have yeah. these conversations. Yep. And it's one of the huge cons to the open plan. It's like if if you're at the density that the space is probably designed for, I think they fail. I don't think it works anymore. In fact, Harvard just published a, I don't know if I should say just, I just found out about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's recent news to us. I think they, I think it came out in like July of this year. Okay, that's relatively recent. Pretty new. It was a study that two Harvard professors did mm-hmm. and their control group were two Fortune 500 companies that okay. were in kind of traditionally laid out offices probably cubicles, private spaces. Okay. And they're transitioning to open workspaces. Interesting. Right. All right. Because the idea is collaboration, synergistic, you know, creative kind of So they're trying to quantify maybe more. So they studied these people and they like recorded everything. They monitored emails, messages, body posture, (laughs) conversation. I mean, really, really invasive stuff. Got a grant from the NSA or something. That's right. (laughs) And so they, they, they monitored them in the old version. Okay. For like, I don't know, three weeks, a month, 15 days. I don't mm-hmm. know what it was. Yeah. A long enough time to where patterns emerge. And then they came back and they monitored them after they went to the open plan model when they moved into their new space. Okay. And what was really interesting, just to kind of, so you don't have to read this huge white paper. <laughs> what they learned is that the face-to-face time decreased about 70% among the participating employees. Like, wow. The test group from beginning to test group to the final. Yeah. 70% reduction in face-to-face. People stop meeting with each other. Wow. Which we started to see that a little bit because it's harder to make it happen. Mm-hmm. And the email and IM use increased somewhere between 30 and 50%. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. So the whole idea of the open plan was collaboration, get people together, and it's doing exactly the opposite. Yeah. I couldn't imagine switching to emailing someone that's like 20 feet away. I can't. Like shoot him a quick I can't now. Hey, we need to do this rather than just turning around and be like, you know, asking a question. Is, yeah, right? asking a question. Well, here's a here's a consideration though. Mm-hmm. So Audrey, one of the other partners in the office, sits across from me. Yeah. Uh, I email her all the time. Actually, I text message her, even mm-hmm. though she's sitting right there. And part of it's because we're having we're having a conversation between ourselves. Yeah, more like principal level kind of. Yeah, because we can't really have it in the open space. Mm -hmm. And if she and I go into the conference room and shut the door. (laughs) That's a little suspicious. Everybody goes, what's going on? Someone's like, landing in trouble again. Again? (laughs) It's a typical thing. Everybody's starting to, like, Landon, I got a box over here if you need it. (laughs) Landon, we'll help you out on this project. (laughs) I got it. Just uh, tell me where you left your files and I'll pick it up from there. (laughs) Yeah, so, so I can absolutely see why. People stop meeting face to face because it's harder mm. to do. It, it, it doesn't seem more conducive. Yeah, you don't want to interrupt what someone's doing, I guess. Yeah. And so you just go, I'm just going to ping them with the message just because it's easier. Mm. I, I used to think when I read these um, things about how absurd that was, it was, God, how lazy are they? You know, because I really don't like email. I am a talk to somebody person. Yeah. And then you follow up with email to record the conversation. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, I don't go to that level with inner office communication because we are so small yeah i could just i could just go i could just rotate my head and go landon where are we at with the you know the wpp2 permit submittal yeah it would have taken 
20 times as long to write. I got to write it. Yeah. I mean, I'm okay at typing, but I talk faster. Yeah. <laughs> then I have to listen to you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, but then I don't have a, a record. So how many times do I ask yeah. you the same question? A lot. Yeah. What's the What's the contact information for this guy? And you have to tell me, and then I throw the piece of paper away, and then I ask you the same question like two days later. You're eating through all my sticky notes. I know it. I'm not nice that way. <laughs> so if we think about, is there a solution, right? Because I'm actually starting to think about this as a solution for our office. Yeah. So I guess that company went from like a cubicle style to just straight open plan. Yeah. That was the idea. Yeah. I think there might be a way to sort of uh, infer maybe a barrier between offices, like in the... Uh, the office kind of like it's a little bit smaller office. The one we're doing in down in San Marcos, they kind of have dividers between the spaces, but you could literally roll back like eighteen inches and talk to the person to you. You can right. lean back. Yeah. yeah, maybe that's like a slight. Well, that's like those are in my mind. Those are kind of like the mini mini cubicles. Yeah. Right. Like you 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 lean forward, you're in your mm-hmm. space. You lean back, you're out of your space. Yeah. Well, you know, one thing that we should probably. So I was in an office. I worked for an interior designer. Yeah, we're just only because I've only I've only ever experienced our office. I mean, I haven't been at another kind of design office. Well, I've worked in RTKL mm-hmm. back in the day. It's the yeah. biggest firm I ever worked for. They're now Calliston, I think, and Sue Bottom. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, and we had kind of the same layout that it was kind of a U shape, but there was a bookcase that was like maybe four and a half feet tall that divided the people within the U. Mm-hmm. Right. So. I, our desk passed by, like I could roll a ball from my keyboard and it would roll across and land on my U partner's keyboard. Mm-hmm. But when I'm just sitting there, there was a barrier. So if I was on the phone, it wasn't completely just wide open. Yeah. And that seemed kind of nice. You know, I, I'll admit, I kind of like that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, Are you grouped with like people that were working on the same projects as you? Is this one you were talking earlier, you kind of moved around? Well, we desks. didn't, but people in that office did. I was only yeah. there a year. Okay. And so some people moved around because that's something in, you know, I think you have to get to a certain size or maybe it's you work on projects that are a certain size to where your desk is not your desk. It just happens to be where you sit while working on this project. And then you mm-hmm. do a, a reshuffle when you get assigned to a new project. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, um, which I'm not sure how I feel about that. On one hand, it's you got to be really big because what you're weighing is the inconvenience of you having to walk, get up and walk down the hall and take a left and go downstairs and then circle back around to go meet with another person on your project. Yeah. Right. That's a pain. And our office of 1600 square feet, not that big a deal. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I can almost, I could just wheel my chair. You'd be at everyone's desk. I could be at one everyone's push desk. One push. Off the desk. But I know that, you know, I have friends of mine that work at HKS and mm-hmm. they've even taken upper level management. They've taken them all out of their offices and they've put them in pods with their team. Hmm. Right. So now they're organized. Yeah. And these are people that used to be in private offices. And they're not anymore. Interesting. That's right? kind of like uh, Elon Musk does the same thing. I think he works like right there with his other engineers. Yeah. He's, like I, in the same kind I of mean, space. I like the idea that management and staff are commingled because really yeah. you're the, you're really the same. Yeah. Right. There is some hierarchy obviously, but it's not like uh you're not exclusive. Yeah. Well, it, it doesn't, it doesn't infer that there's a status between tasks. Right? Like my job is not more important than your job because I have an office. Mm-hmm. Right. It's yeah. There's a little more elitism, I guess. Yeah. Insinu- insinuating when you have an office. That's how space reflects, you know. Sure. How- and I have like the same working space that you do. Mine's just twice as big. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, well, the, the idea being you have more, you know, projects going on, so you need to lay out more drawings and 
Yeah, I have obviously more everywhere. structure to that. Yeah, and I have more. Yeah. I have more folders than most people have. Oh yeah, you know we have the little drawers, filing mm-hmm. cabinets. Yep. Like in mine, it's actually full of files. I have like three Manila folders in mine, and I have a bunch of like giant rubber bands. Yeah, mine's jam packed <laughs> <And> snacks. Yeah, <laughs> snacks, <laughs> soup. So there is the idea that. Like when I was in an interior designer's office, mm-hmm. and there was probably about 12 of us, and I think our office was actually smaller in that space than what we currently have. Yeah. And, but we had these cubicles, and they were like drywall. They, were, they weren't, it wasn't systems furniture. Okay. They were drywall that had countertops kind of built into them as desks, and they went up to about 42 inches, and then they had glass for about another 12. So if I hmm. stood okay. up, barely peek over, I could breathe on somebody if they were standing up facing nice. each other. But, if they were sitting down, I could still look. Like, I didn't have to peer. I mean, I'm 6'1", as it is, so I yeah. could probably have done it easily anyway. But You're, like, peeking over a fence. Yeah. It, I could I could see what was going on in their desk while still within my cubicle. But I had a defined footprint. Yeah. Right? And then all the, the leadership of the firm, they had private offices. Like, they had their mm-hmm. own space. Yeah. Um, Interesting. And it worked fine. Uh, but one thing I will say about interior designers' offices mm-hmm. is... Their materials library is a lot bigger. <laughs> Giant. <laughs> that's like three quarters of the office is materials. Yeah. That makes sense though. I mean, that's. Yeah. And they also create infinitely more paperwork than architects do. Because hmm. I'll say like a big job we might work on, I might end up with a half dozen D-ring three inch binders worth mm-hmm. of notes and whatnot. Yep. That's nothing compared to what <laughs> we would do. Uh, a ho- we did a lot of uh, hospitality work. Okay. And yeah. one project might have 20. 25 yeah because you're keeping track of things like furniture and yeah ever like every little this brad on this chair has its own page and it's back up oh, and where it came from and yeah. what color it is and i mean it was the amount of paper <laughs> it's another work, level of detail it's mind-boggling it's great yeah, almost, yeah to, architect uh, should work in interior designer's office just to kind of see <laughs> just experience yeah because i think drive you crazy <laughs> i don't know that drive you i think it'd give you a different level of appreciation for what a really yeah. good interior designer can bring to a project hmm. okay you know so but if we go back to our office Right. Mm-hmm. We have a benching system. Ours is and I get asked this question a lot, so I'm just gonna tell everyone. We have the knoll antenna, completely open, flat. Yep. Kind of just a bunch of desks, a bunch of counter. My stuff there. just rolls off my other people's desks. That's right. <laughs> there was one thing I'm not having to get used to, so that's Paul's moved in next to me. He's moved in. I I was used to having the whole like you just didn't have anyone yeah, next you were, to me. You were the one who had a half yeah. but didn't have someone in the other half. Yeah, exactly. So I was like the phone's kind of to my left, so he was to my left, and I would just have drawings and, like, notes just kind of scooting over there. And I wasn't really taking over that desk, but I would just – things would spill over there. But now that he's here, I've had to, like, catch myself because I'll just push stuff out of my way and then realize, like, oh, wait, Paul's right there. <laughs> like, <laughs> sorry, And he Paul. just has, like – yeah, sorry, Paul. But he just has, like, his laptop, and he has, obviously, some drawings and stuff. You know, Paul would never say anything because he might be yeah, the nicest person nice. I've he's ever met. so nice, yeah. Other than Michelle's, my wife's, her mom. <laughs> Grandma's the nicest, but Paul, oh, Mike, yeah. he's running number a close two. number two. Yeah. So we have a project we're working on. Mm-hmm. If, if we go back to what we think the possible solutions oh, are. Oh, yeah. If we as, circle back to the middle yeah, ground. Yeah, because as I'm thinking about how do I solve this problem, because I don't know that it's, you know, I used the word conducive just a minute ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it. I, I want everyone to be operating at their peak performance, what they need to do yeah. in order to do their best work. Set the stage for... It's so sets so a stage for success. Well, have you noticed that before? Hardly anybody. Like there was a time when it wouldn't be unreasonable for me to turn on my jawbone and play music for everyone in the office. Mm-hmm. Right? It didn't happen a lot, but like Fridays yeah, or something Fridays, like that, yeah. we might actually do that. Hardly anybody wore headphones. Yeah. 
not a lot of headphones. Now I notice that like almost everybody when they're working, they're wearing headphones because it's there's so much verbal mm-hmm. activity going on that it's hard to get into kind of your alpha or whatever it is. Yeah, it's like a zone you kind of trying to get into sometimes. Yeah, get things, and it's a it's like a rhythm thing. I think it's like a you know kind of get into a rhythm. If you kind of break your rhythm up, then it's you know, start it back up again. Yeah, it's hard to kind of reboot. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So a lot more people wearing headphones, I think, you know, they know that they need to zone in at the moment. And so it's sometimes it's harder to you know, get people's attention now. And it's really hard for me to do it. Not only because yeah. I have ADHD issues, but I'm kind of should be listening to a lot of these conversations because mm-hmm. I'll hear two people talking and I'll go, oh, that's not that's not wrong, but it's not really I don't want to just to clarify things. Yeah. Let's just can we just. Yeah. yeah and I and now all of a sudden. So my timesheet is killer to keep up with because it's like. <laughs> Five minutes on this, two minutes on this. Yeah. One. I don't have my time. She doesn't give me like three hours of working on something. That doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Well, so we have a project that we're doing downtown Dallas right now. It's a shared co-working space. Mm-hmm. Awesome clients. Oh, yeah. They're super fun. Really nice. Now, mm-hmm. so these shared co-working spaces, depending on what part of the country, I imagine they're not common everywhere. But Dallas has a lot of them. Yeah, I think they're definitely popping up in yeah. big urban areas. And so there's a ton of research that's gone into how we've gone about solving the problems and addressing the needs and providing the services to allow the people mm-hmm. who are the target demographic for this business to actually want to come work there and be successful. Yep. Right. And the short version of this, if I if I get rid of the the 500 hours of white papers I've been reading since we've been doing this. <laughs> Is that we kind of create two different types of workspace for every one person. Yep. So everybody kind of has their own private office, right? Mm-hmm. And the levels that we have gone to deal with sound on this project are Herculean. Yeah. I mean, it's really, it goes really, really mm-hmm. far because sound is that important. Yeah. Because that's what we're dealing with. It's too much sound. But we've also created a lot of these kind of secondary, tertiary, and whatever four is. <laughs> fourth theory yeah so there's like small conference rooms mm-hmm. there's medium to large conference rooms yep and then we have common areas and one there's different levels of a common area even there's like mm-hmm. the really large common area which has benches and booths and countertop seating and cafe style tables that's mm-hmm. in it so you can sit by yourself or you can spread out or you can have meetings wherever you want yeah but also scattered through the hallways we have all these thick walls that we basically designed in and we've pushed and built these oversized niches mm-hmm. that will allow people to sit in an open space that allow them to sit on their computer spread out and the ceiling's been dropped down to help with sound so you could leave your office and these are not assigned spaces like your office mm-hmm. is yours like you can lock the door it's yours yeah but if it's if you have two other people in your office right because some of these could have up to eight people in them mm-hmm. you know it's different sizes it's too big and you need to get out of the, that space to work. They have, they being the team, mm-hmm. me and the clients and Danielle's working on this project with me. Uh, we've created all these secondary levels of places for people to work that isolate that number down back to the individual so they can function, they can work and they can be part of a community, but they can leave that community and still be in the same footprint of the mm-hmm. space. Yeah. Right? I think it's interesting because that sort of space, like a, works or kind of like a co-working space there's a lot of individuals you know startup entrepreneurship so it's small teams and there's just a lot of them in the space so you have 
that idea of really having two spaces. Like you have your personal space you can retreat to to get stuff done, but then you kind of have this, you really have an ownership into a secondary workspace and more of a social arena. Yeah. And it's, well, cause well, th- that's an interesting point because unlike our office where everyone is, mm-hmm. you know, my employee, yeah. um, these are all different businesses in mm-hmm. the same footprint. Yeah. Just sharing printers and yeah. meeting rooms. You know, like it's, it's co-working space. Yeah. Right. So they have like their, this is just me or this is just my office, mm-hmm. but I can go get that social component. That's so valuable. Oh yeah. If we decided as leadership of Malone Maxwell Borson to, to allow people to work from home, which I don't think is crazy, quite honestly. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, you got to have the right kind of employee. Yeah. Right. People have to have ownership and know I got to do it. <laughs> you got to be self-directed. You can't be rolling out at 11 a.m. Yeah. Well, you know, for some people, they want to, they're, they want to start working at 11 o'clock in the morning, but they're okay yeah. working until 11 o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. Right. And I go, all right. Well, so maybe there's some kind of way to, to allow this. But as me and in my position, mm-hmm. and, but me as a person, I couldn't do that. Yeah. I couldn't, I need to go be around other people. I feed off of the energy. There's a reason why when you walk in the door, I go, Hey, what'd you cook for dinner last night? Yeah. I mean, not only because I like talking, but I like interacting. I want to, I want to know what you did last night. Genuinely interested. I am interested. Yeah. Um, so trying to find that kind of in our office moving forward, because mm-hmm. it is something, you know, we have one year left on our lease and mm-hmm. we're in it. We're just deciding, well, do we want to re up where we're at or are we going to move somewhere else? Mm-hmm. to another project that you're currently working on Oops. keep that maybe maybe <laughs> not but we have an opportunity based on how the firm has grown yeah. to address some of these issues yep. that we're experiencing firsthand right so yes. i think it's been really interesting yeah it's another design problem for yeah us. It's not a problem but a you know challenge opportunity opportunity that's yeah. the word not, that's Key a management word, word. opportunity <laughs> let's talk about what the tools of the architectural office, okay. the architect's office, like the tools. Like we already kind of mentioned a couple of them, mm-hmm. right? Like the desk. The desk is the place where everything, all the magic happens. All the magic happens. Yeah. At I think the, uh, my head. <laughs> you slam your head. <laughs> yeah. I think the, uh, part of the like, roll back to like perception. I think our, our desks are certainly like a reflection of how we work. Maybe, you know, is it just a bunch of random piles of, you know, drawings everywhere? They're like, my pins and pins are usually just spread about on my desk. Yeah. I think everyone has a little like, it's a little piece of them because it is. You're saying you. that you can look at the workstation and it's enough of a blank template or yeah. canvas that will allow you to use your space or lay it out that suits your needs. Whereas mm-hmm. I have the same desk, but mine looks completely different. Yeah. 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 There's something to that. Tableau rasa. But we, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right. But we also considered like the size of the space. Mm-hmm. We use drawings a lot. You got to lay them out. You know, it's kind of funny. At my age, and when I came out of school, we we hand drew everything. I I'm used to looking at things at a particular size. I like mm-hmm. to look at. I don't like looking at stuff on the screen, not for a yeah. review purpose, because I can tell you, you fix stuff in your own brain when you just look at it. It's like you need to divorce yourself with a little bit of time between. The output has to be different. Yeah, actually, yeah, that's that's a good interesting point. I find myself like losing a sense of scale when I'm like in the like Revit land and the digital kind of like monitor yeah. because you can obviously zoom in and out and there's no real scale to it. But once you like actually print out the drawings, everything has the line weights. It's different. It's a little bit different. Yeah. And so our desk need to allow us the opportunity to put full size drawings on it mm-hmm. or half size. Yeah. Some people like half. I like, I keep record half size sets of every project I work on. Yeah. Like in my entire life since they started since half. Since you were a baby. <laughs> 
long time ago. It's on linen. No, but underneath my desk, you've seen it. It's like a two foot tall stack of drawings yeah. that goes. It's back. like a footrest, right? It's huge. When I do red lines, when I check drawings, mm-hmm. I don't do review work on the computer screen. Yeah. I need it on my desk. So the desk need to give us an opportunity to not only have phone and keyboard and monitors, but mm-hmm. thirty by forty two inch roll of drawings. Yeah, and it's hard to have a conversation with multiple people around a screen versus, you know, yeah. you can all huddle around a desk and physically draw stuff out. Yeah. So the desk we know. Yeah. Pretty major player. Mm-hmm. I'd also say that I like our our systems furniture that we've used. Yeah. It really just creates kind of like one big giant never ending countertop. Right. So yeah. I don't have to pick stuff. I can slide stuff. I can go here, this, I can slide it to you. Mm-hmm. It's one of the reasons when you're working on my jobs, I like to have you close to me. So that was a big part of it as well. Yeah. I also think, you know, we added this. We mentioned the Voltron model, Voltron. which we got rid of it. Yeah. Which I was really happy to get rid of. Um, cause it was kind of being pl- scavenged. Like it was 12 yeah. pieces. The next thing you know, it's Slowly eight it pieces. And, yeah. then, and then it became just this huge 72 square foot kind of awkwardly sized desk that people just put junk on yep you know it's like this drop box station dust bunnies and, and it was terrible bands and so when i finally convinced and this was one of michael's houses that he was working on mm-hmm. when i finally convinced him it was time for that thing to go we designed a new piece of millwork to go in that space and it has giant bins that roll out yeah which we really needed which we needed and what those are used for is from our material library we build pallets for projects mm-hmm each one of those bins has the ability to either be one or two components, two sections in it. Yep. And all the samples and materials for that project go in that bin. Yep. And that turned out to be a really big deal because, you know, you would take a brick for your job and it might, it's going to sit under your desk for like a year and a half. Now you have a place to put it and has a place to live. And then when the project gets dead filed, you can package up. Here's all the materials that we have. We either recycle them. They go back in the materials library. Or they get cataloged as kind of record pieces so we know what we used. Mm-hmm. Other than just, like, yeah. the name of it, here's actually a piece of it. Yeah, so we created a sort of almost dedicated space for those kind of things. Where, yeah. Whereas before, they were kind of scattered amongst other people's desks. Or yeah, they were on people's... Way. Yeah, they are in boxes under people's desks. And, yeah. and it just it didn't work out really well. So, so in addition to having the materials library, now we have a place to actually mm-hmm. assemble and catalog materials by project. Yeah, and we have a little bit bigger entrance space almost for that. Uh, yeah. Sort of informal table lies is kind yeah. of the entrance. It's kind of our secondary. Yeah. Well, it's kind of become the the model making desk. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is kind of fun because when people walk in, when we have clients, like mm-hmm. the first thing they see is garbage. <laughs> <laughs> Just <laughs> pieces of chipboard strewn everywhere. Well, what they see is the, the manifestation in process yeah. of the creative yep. process. I use process twice. But they get to see that. You know, because a lot of the people we work with, they're not great visual thinkers. Mm-hmm. And while we can use the technology built into programs like Revit to show them 3D views, yeah, it's like nobody gets excited looking at a printout of a 3D view or looking at a screen as I rotate a building as they do when I give them their building in a model form mm-hmm. and they pick it up and they can look at it. Yep. It's, there's no comparison. It's yep. not even close. So that's a that's another component that I think is kind of unique to architectural offices that I think is really important, even though fewer and fewer people are making models. Yeah, it's a dying art. It's kind of a dying is, art. Is it's just like half the space I think is like almost models. Yeah, you know, there are larger firms tend to build models. They have like a model shop. Yeah, I remember going to uh, we visited SOM in Chicago, and they that was kind of like at their entrance with these giant skyscraper models, and you're just kind of like 
like someone had to spend like a whole year building this model. At yeah. Least. Yeah. See, but I don't dedicated I, people. I hate those kind of models. I hate those kind of models. Yeah. One because they're not a process. They're just, just like a finished. It's just like having like, a picture of the building. Yeah. Right. But a physical model of it, and that's something that we like. Our models, they're all abstracted. Mm-hmm. They're all out of white museum board or basswood or something. There's yeah. no finished materials that yeah. are represented because we get. They, and a lot of times they don't really. They're not the end product because we build them during the design development period of the process project. Mm-hmm. And if we change it down the road, we don't go back and update the model. Yeah. Because that yeah. was just, that's what happened in that moment of time. It's a, it's like a, you know, whatever they call it when they timestamp kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's been carbon dated. So I think, okay, there should be some rules. We should do a little housekeeping. <laughs> so for all the architectural offices out there that are built on, studio type environments and they have open plans open and everyone's yeah. in the same workspace i'm going to do everybody a favor right now and we're going to take like two or three minutes and just kind of run down there's some rules that you got to know the unwritten rules of open workspace yeah and unfortunately you kind of learn these rules after you break one and somebody <laughs> has to say bro come on, come on bro <laughs> bro yeah the number one is nasty food heated up in the microwave Ugh, like fish the worst oh, i've done it once Dumb. Never again. Yeah. Luckily, everyone left the office for lunch that day. We all knew. Yeah. We came back and we're like, landed. Wow. Again. <laughs> Pull me in the comments room. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I also feel that way about Indian food. Don't reheat Indian yeah. food up at the office. It's uh, it's got a strong, you know, strong odor. Yeah. It lingers. Yeah. All right. That's that's kind of my rule. If you have something that just kind of sticks in the air, <laughs> like a cloud, like death, <laughs> builds around your yeah. desk. So Indian oh. food, fish. Don't don't heat up gross smelling or like really actually let me couch that not gross smelling because yeah. i just, just offended people who yeah, fish and indian <laughs> I, was, I was gonna say pungent but i was like yeah that's wrong odiferous yes. yeah if it's really yeah. intense small strong smelling stuff just you know enjoy it in your house yeah don't do it unless you want your coworkers to hate you <laughs> that's right uh headphones we talked a little bit about headphones mm-hmm. i'm okay with headphones quite honestly because i they yeah. they're a benefit to me but there's a couple different ways you can do it so I have noise canceling headphones, which I put on from time to time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't turn on the noise canceling very often in the office because otherwise, since they're the over the ear kind, mm-hmm. you'd have to like wave your arms to get my attention. Yeah, I'd like tap the desk or something. Yeah. Most of the people in our office, when they do wear headphones, it's either falls into two categories. Either they have both earbuds in and that's the social cue to leave me alone because <laughs> I'm fire drill mode. Yeah. Or they only put one in so that if I just said, hey, Landon. One ear is open and ready to respond, mm-hmm. right? So I think that's kind of good etiquette that you shouldn't wear over the head, over the ear headphones with noise canceling mm-hmm. and completely isolate yourself from everyone else. Yeah. Because while that might be okay 90% of the time, it's the 10% that is the rate limiting step in your career. You got to, you got to consider it, right? So there's no jamming music from your uh, speakers. There's no open <laughs> office. Not now, right? Yeah. I mean, can you imagine? It just adds to the, roar of noise yeah yeah so no even if it's quiet don't turn on music i think my computer is the only one that has built-in speakers so anytime we like mention a youtube video i'm like everyone come around landon's desk (laughs) we'll watch this together yeah we have to go to landon's desk (laughs) um i would also say that there's uh air conditioning rules so in big firms this isn't even an option. Uh-huh. Like they may not even know where the air conditioning controls are. <laughs> it's like a fake button. Like you hit <laughs> yeah. the thing and it tells you it's going up. Yeah. The... You feel better, but nothing happens. Yeah. So in our office, I pretty much control the air conditioning. Really? I didn't know that. Well, it's not like a rule. Just, you just set the, you set the standard or you put it. I set it. And very few timing. people 
yeah, we don't have the people that go, oh, it's so cold. And I was like, it's 75 degrees. I have like three heaters under my desk. Yeah. So our space is not that well insulated, first off. It's, yeah. a, it's an old building. We don't, the insulation above the, at the roof, at the deck is terrible. We have floor to ceiling, single glass. pane glass. Oh, Lord. We're almost west facing. So mm-hmm. it gets hot in the summer and it gets cold in the winter. Right. And my, my bandwidth of comfort is pretty narrow. I don't mind if it's like 66 degrees when it's cold outside. It can be 66 degrees on the inside. Mm-hmm. I'll set the heat. But I don't like it when it gets hot. I'll start right. sweating. I sweat. Very yeah, easy. I don't. Well, you know, I sketch a lot. And I don't want my hands like sticking to trace paper. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I, I tend to like it in the 74 range. 72 to yeah. 74. That yeah. seems pretty good to me. I actually worked in an office where this is when I was younger. And I was not really management at that time. Uh I shared a space with a really, really nice woman, but she was one of these people. If it was below 80, she's like, why is it so cold in here? <laughs> and um, so w- I had to go buy like one of those outdoor thermos- thermostats, what do I say? Thermom- thermometers. Yeah. And so we had to agree if it was above 76, I could turn on the air conditioning. I could like <laughs> lower it, right? It was, it was straddling your desk between, you, between yeah. your two desks? Yeah, absolutely. And so I've had this thing for- it's on your desk now, right? Yeah, I still have it. Oh, okay. I always wonder why I was there. I'm and sorry. I look at it every now and then so that if somebody goes, and if I walk over, I'm bumping it down. They're like, oh, uh-huh. it's so cold. And I stick it. <laughs> it's, 80, <laughs> it's 80 at my desk. Throw it at their face. Here yeah. Go. Yeah. So there's got to be, it's got to be the moments where it's good to be king, right? Mm. Every now and then I'll change it, but I never really know like who set those settings. Well, the truth is if somebody's really uncomfortable, they can get up and change it. Yeah. Right. Because let's say that somebody goes, I'm really cold and they go bump it up. And then I go, I'm really hot, and I go bump it down. It just happens. Never ending fight. <laughs> it just happens, right? Not that big a deal. Yeah. So I I think that architectural losses, if we just kind of put a bow on this, mm-hmm. um, I think the best thing about an architectural office is that it is a physical representation of who that firm wants to be. Yep. They're important. I even took a job once. I won't tell the story today, but. Uh, I actually took a job once because the offices were so cool. Hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and I actually wrote a blog post about it. And I, like when it first came up, I drove by it. It was after hours. So I'm creeping, walking around the building, peeking in the windows. And I was like, this is a cool office. So clearly they know what they're doing. <laughs> and I, so I went, got a job there. This yeah. is in the days of milk and honey. Get a job anywhere. Worst job I ever had in my life. <laughs> they had uh, the perception, just not the meat on the Oh, bones. it was terrible. And, <laughs> and I was there four months. Oh, wow. And okay. it's never been on my resume. So yeah. if somebody really wanted to drill down, they'd go, there's a four-month gap here. <laughs> I was in <laughs> sabbatical. <UB. laughs> I was in prison. Oh, um, right. Well, in a way, I kind of was. It was not a nice wow. – it was not a good okay. place to work. So, But I think that architectural offices mm-hmm. are important. They're kind of like the 12th man in terms of like they attract the right kind of customer. Yep. They attract the right kind of employee. Mm-hmm. Um, they give you something to aspire to. They help set the tone and culture for the firm. I think they're really important. Yeah. Very. So now it's time for my newest favorite section of the podcast. The In My Spare Time. In My Spare Time. <laughs> Is that our unofficial <laughs> jingle? I feel like we need a jingle to it. What have you been doing in your spare time? It's kind of a, a subsection of what we talked about previously about cooking. Um. Rachel, my girlfriend, and I have been doing these uh, blue aprons recently. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, after work we go back. To, uh, usually, you just live to her place, but we've been uh, doing a lot of cutting of vegetables. 
part of that is she got this new cutlery set and it's just like really nice. She has a really nice chef knife, which I don't, I guess I've never really used like a nice knife before, but like just using that. Your requirement knife. was knife. Yeah. <laughs> just, <laughs> it's like, I mean, I, I have always like enjoyed like cooking. So the, the act of like cutting things, but like it's been kind of like when secondhand kind of tools and, but using this like one nice piece of equipment has been, you know, I want to cut all the vegetables. I'm like, it's opening but, your eyes yeah. to what the proper tool can do. Yeah, it's awesome. And it, I mean, it looks nice and it works wonderfully. And I've kind of like looking at other, cause we've used like, we use a paring knife, um, for like smaller things. And I guess I didn't realize there's always other kinds of knives that obviously like they have their own tasks. So right. like we have this, you know, we had, it's like a black stainless steel and it's solid metal. So it looks, it's like a design object in itself. And I it's love cool just like, the thing. Yeah. I love just using and it. It functions and well. Learning how to use it well. Yeah. It's like a, you know, you're up in your, I your, uh, your skill set. So just the other day I was looking up, do they have a paring knife to go along with this? Yeah. Or like a serrated knife we can use. Yeah. Cutting some of the breads with those. I have all the knives. Yeah. So my spare time. Yeah. Bob, what have you been doing? In your spare time. When I come home, I either sit in the chair and go to sleep. Immediately. <laughs> I mean, I, I want to do nothing. I mean, I'm like either so tired, I just want to do nothing. Or I go, I need to do something. Like, yeah. I, I'm going to do a project, right? And so I have a lot of tools. Um, hand tools. Mm -hmm. I mean, buckets and buckets and buckets full. And there's a couple of ones that I want to add to my collection because there's projects I want to take on. And okay. Some, like, I had a, I had a really good heavy duty drill that just died. It was like 20 years old and it just died on me like oh, two weeks ago. So sad. Was there a little funeral in the backyard? I may have buried it just in the backyard. <laughs> oh, is that what that headstone Not the batteries. There? Not the batteries. I re you got, oh, yeah. Don't throw Save away batteries, battery. people. You got to turn them in the right place. <laughs> Public service announcement. So I need a new drill, mm -hmm. but I, I'm, I'm doing my research and I'm thinking, uh, I'm going to get a smaller one, maybe like a 12 volt, not an 18 mm -hmm. volt one. Okay. So it's not quite as heavy. Yeah. Uh, and I can like get into inside of cabinets to, you know, cause one of the projects I want to okay. do is I want to replace all the hinges. All right. Pulls on yeah. all the builder grade cabinetry I have in my house. And the extension of that builder grade cabinetry is, you know, when we had my 50th birthday party here in the house, mm -hmm. the bathroom we knew everybody was going to use, we renovated it like poor man's renovation. Yeah. <laughs> we took, we took all the millwork apart, sanded it down cause it had this like really like this bad sponge technique uh, that yeah. they put on it. Okay. So we took it out, took it apart, sanded everything down, repainted it, mm -hmm. new poles, new faucets. I mean, new towel bars, all, toilet, all that kind yeah. of stuff. Re okay. Really tried to clean it up. So I have a power sprayer now, but it, you pour it into a little bucket mm -hmm. and attach that to the power sprayer. So it's like for painting cabinets and stuff? Well, the power one sprayer. I want is, is more of a pro level. The, the one okay. I, the one I currently own, only can Hobbyist do about levels. a quart at a time. And so uh, it works okay. for about five minutes and then yeah. I gotta go refill it. Yeah. Right. I want to get like a, there's one I'm looking at. It's the Graco X5. Yeah. That sounds like a it's, machine. It's pro. Right. I mean, it's good. I want that. So that's the second tool I want. Okay. And then I need to get a new uh, random orbital sander. I had okay. an orbital sander, which is square and mm -hmm. it kind of vibrates. It uses um, like a quarter size of a sander. That's right. That's right. You take yeah. a normal size, fold it in a quarter. Okay. Use yeah. one of them. Okay. Uh, but I've had it, it's, I bought it with my first house mm -hmm. and I'm on house number six and the pad that the sandpaper goes on to is finally worn down so much that the, the, the screws that kind of hold the pad in Ooh, place po poking out. are poking through oh, and it, 
you know, the last time we were working on the bathroom, I'm like, well, I'm getting these little grooves here. Yeah. Right. Cause you, you can't really tell until you yeah. do it. Right. Yeah, yeah. So I want to get a new one. So I'm doing research on that. So there's three new mm-hmm. tools and this all has to do with the fact that we had a positive experience. That's not the right way to put it. The results were positive for when we redid the bathroom that mm-hmm. everybody used. Yeah. Uh, but the experience was not positive. It was really labor intensive because mm-hmm. you got to have the right tool, folks, yeah. for the job. And so I want to get the right tools so I can start tackling the rest of the house. The rest of, of the house. Okay. Yeah. So you have a reason to acquire these new tools. Yeah. Because I, I was just adding to the collection. That's right. I work. Yeah. yeah. I'm a handy guy. All right. So I'm going to call that a wrap. All right. Thank you for being with us for episode six, Inside an Architect's Office. Thanks for spending your time with us. If you liked this episode, I'm going to say that even if you didn't, please be sure to head over to iTunes and subscribe to the podcast so you can get the latest and greatest new episodes automatically downloaded to your podcast player of choice. If iTunes isn't your player of choice, that's cool. We're also on Google Play, Tuned In, Android, Spotify, and a bunch of other platforms. They're all free. And all you have to do is hit the subscribe button on your podcast listening app of choice. I would also encourage you to go on to iTunes and leave us a 14th level gold star rating. Oh, man. Yeah. Help keep this party going. Be sure to visit the original lifeofanarchitect.com for show notes, links, info, and photos from this episode. Be sure to stick around to the very end where we will treat you with some outro tape that I wanted to keep but it wasn't really worth sticking in the main body. (laughs) So cheers, and thanks for coming by the office. Arrivederci. I I want fried chicken to become a food group. (laughs) The top of the pyramid. You put fireball whiskey in your Harry Potter butterbeer. Yes, it's delicious. That's a lie. They do that at the uh, place in Los Angeles. You can't order from the same place. You have to order the butterbeer. At like the lunch counter, but you go to the bar in the back, get a shot of Fireball, and like drop it in. You're lying. I did it. It's delicious. <laughs> you know who has that same analogy? Drug addicts. <laughs> ride the dragon They're again. Always chasing oh, the that first the time. Ride the dragon. The white dragon. Or is that something? Y'all do you have you don't have a dare program when you were a kid? Yeah, doesn't it stand for something? Drugs are really existential. No. <laughs> I don't think that's right. Michael Jackson knew what he was doing.